0: Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. It is Friday. It is Memorial Day weekend. I hope you all enjoy the, uh, the long weekend. Uh, the NRA, of course, is going to mark it by having its convention down in Houston just a few days after the, uh, the mass shooting in, in Uvalde. We'll talk about that as well. So, because it's Friday, we are joined once again by
1: Tim Miller. Tim, how are you? Filled with rage. Uh, so, you know, if you're, uh, if you're concerned about your blood pressure levels, uh, as a listener, uh, as you've turned on this podcast, you know, maybe just save it for after a glass of wine or after you get a little bit more balanced, because I'm, I'm just going to fire everybody's blood pressure up to a thousand here over the course of this podcast. Hold the rage for just a moment.
0: Could you okay. do that? Just, yeah, just, I,
1: I'm trying. It's challenging, just for but I'm a moment. trying
0: because on last week's podcast, I kind of busted your chops that I hadn't gotten a you copy did. of your book yet.
1: You busted my chops. Your your
0: new book, which is coming out in a month. And yesterday, via UPS, to the great consternation of my dogs. Out to Mequon. Package was delivered. And there it is, the hardcover edition of your book, Why We
1: Did It. The very first copy. Charlie. So if I ever really, if I ever in the future, yeah, if I ever in the future, you know, win a Pulitzer or become a hero of some kind or you know whatever, future generations of your grandchildren, if my Bulwark articles are kind of revered by our, <laughs> our uh, by people <laughs> in the in down the line, uh, you will have the very first copy. I still do not have a hard copy. Are I you? didn't know. I really? yeah, I asked the publisher. I said, I said, Charlie Sykes is giving me shit yeah he's saying that i, I have read on, the book yeah he, I, you know I, I sent a review copy to all these other people will you please send charlie sykes a review copy we and they said yeah. we'll overnight it we'll get they right did. on it they did and then you sent the picture and the, you're you got the first one the, the first hard one? copy I, the very first copy. i was really touched by all of
0: that and and i know that okay there's still time i hope there's not a lot of you know envy and jealousy out there and just please don't hate me for this that i have one and I, and I know that um but people can pre-order it yeah and pre-orders are are important and so we're not going to talk about the book in depth for a month. I get that. But Tim, I read about half of it last night. You got through half? I started reading it about three in the afternoon. when I usually don't because I'm working. I'm doing other stuff. It is an incredible read, Tim. And I'm not just saying that because you're on my podcast. Even my wife says, man, I don't remember the last time you just sat down and just kept reading a book. It's very, very readable. And I'm about halfway through. And I'm gonna I will finish your book tonight, but I have to ask you, so how are you feeling about this coming out? Because what struck me was this is very personal, it's very raw, it names names, and you do not spare yourself at all. I don't. In fact, there's a lot of stuff that you tell me about yourself that shocked even me.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm tough on me. <laughs> you are um, tough I on me. I feel you. like it's really important. So the second half of the book is I'm trying as I'm hard on other mm-hmm. people. Uh, and so I, I felt like if I was gonna do that. I really needed to be fully honest about me. And I wanted the book to be, I feel like the highest compliment somebody could praise this book is say, this was the most honest, no bullshit book I've read about politics. Because everybody just pulls punches. You know, even honest memoirs, people pull punches about other people, about themselves. And I just tried as hard as I could to not do that. And so, um, man, I'm getting a little verklempt over here, Charlie. I'm happy that you like it that much. I, You know, because I'm in this phase where I've written it, now it's the waiting. You know, the waiting is the hardest part, as Patty would have said. And I'm just, I went from excitement to now anxiety to now like, are people going to like it? Is it actually any good? You know, so anyway, I really appreciate that. And and you're right about the pre-orders. They are really important. So it's how bookstores know whether to carry it or not.
0: Well, I'm sitting here with a stack of like all of the books written in the Trump era, you know, and, you know, a lot of them are, you know, very deep and they're important and they're just excellent journalism. This is uh, just for people who want to know another book about this period. This feels like a confessional and explains from the inside. And you deal with something that has haunted me as well as like, how did this happen? And what was going on with these people? And you have a very specific perspective because you were very much in part of the game of the political actors. And, And you get that sense of the of the ambition and the pulls and the difference between, uh, you know, wh- what 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 you do part of, as part of the job versus the question of, like, what the fuck are you doing to the country? Uh, sort yeah. of thing. And you really dive into that. And so you have that strong disillusionment with others, but also this is one of the rawest look in the mirror because, I mean, look, I was pretty deep down the rabbit hole and you were way deeper than I thought. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, that makes me feel bad, actually. But um, that's why I'm trying to do all this. Look, the game, um, you've caught one of the key themes because the first title of it was the game. Publisher didn't like that because it's bad for the Googles. I guess a lot of games out there, a lot of the games. And that was this big kind of reflection. And that's the question that I'm trying to answer. The why we did it is not why, you know, the dentist in Mequon decided to vote for Donald Trump, right? There've been a lot of books like that. A lot of people are looking into what's happening in our country and how people could have voted for such a monster, like the we in the book is is the professional political class, and 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 it's a reflection on how easy it is for people in playing this game and inside this game, and this is really relevant to what we're going to get to about guns. Can just put aside what they feel is right, put aside what is best for the public interest, in service of win- in service of winning, in service of doing well, in service of advancing their career. You know, in service of just getting the rush right from being really good at this high stakes, um, political combat, and uh, you know, I was just very much, you know, that's what attracted me to politics, right? Like everybody who gets into politics, like you know, cares about policy and government at some level, you know. But but most of my peers, you know, very much came up came of age in this era in the '90s and 2000s. where like the differences didn't feel that all that stark between the two parties. They were, and they were attracted more to the. West wing element. We, I said they, but we were attracted more to the kind of the West wing element of it, the competition, the horse race. And that is just so corrupting. And I think one of the lines in the intro is just about like, should we really have been that surprised that we created this big game you know where outcomes are so separate from actions that, like, a game show host would come in and dominate us. Right? Like in retrospect, like, should we have been that surprised that like a game show host would have been better at playing this game than all of us wonks were? Anyway, I'm hoping that that that's a big realization I've come to, and I'm hoping that my, the the folks in D.C. read this and at least take away. A little bit of reflection on you know when i'm making these decisions day in day out am i am i putting the game first or am i am i actually caring about what the point of politics is which is to serve the people of the country and to serve the best interests of of our citizens
0: and yet as you make it very very clear that somebody that raises those questions would be basically putting a sign in their head doesn't get mock it. me yeah,
1: yeah it doesn't okay. get it mock yeah. me yeah you yeah, people exactly. don't
0: know what we're talking about so we i don't want to give away a lot including the the bromance between Tim Miller and Steve Bannon, which I didn't see coming. Um, (laughs) But, but, you know, look, we've all been here, which is that what were we thinking when we were associated? I have a picture of myself somewhere here. I probably put it, I, I, I took it down years ago, a picture at an NRA convention where I'm standing with Charlton Heston. Okay, so I just want to lay, lay that out there. And this question, so what were we thinking when we dealt with people like this? And, and, and the way in which we could compartmentalize or think that, yeah. okay, these are people that are useful or they're allies, but we've got it under control. And of course, that was the fundamental mistake because we thought it was under control. We thought we could feed the crocodile. We thought we could give the base just a few more you know, cocaine bumps you know, and yeah. everything would work out okay. N- no, we, we we turned them into these monstrous, addicted, uh, you know, uh, me- meth head crocodiles. <laughs> We're devouring the country. Uh,
1: more, more, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Thank you. Pre-order it Why we did it. Pre-order it, please. Is is that a little bit of uh,
0: O.J. Simpson, by the way? Do I, do I get yeah, a little, yeah. little bit of sense of yeah, why yeah, I did it? It's yeah,
1: a, it's yeah, a little it. inside joke for yeah. us elder millennials. I know older people also liked it, but this was like the formative event of my uh, growing up, and if I'm going to reflect on it... Um, yeah, the O.J. book is "If I Did It," and the cover, which was done by uh, Michael Beirut, which who's the, actually the father of Drew, who who does not my party. Mm. Um, so talented family, um, and uh, and uh, his dad is is this amazing designer, and uh, and so if you go back and look at the O.J. book cover, you can see a little bit of just a slight little nod to it for the people who who get the reference.
0: Okay, so let's take a really, really, really big breath here because we're about to dive into the Mosh pit of rage. Let's do that right after this brief interlude. Hey gang, I just wanted to drop in to say thank you for joining me here each weekday. And also I want to give a shout out to our Bulwark Plus members who helped underwrite this show and keep everything we do at the Bulwark sustainable. You might think that a Bulwark Plus membership is all about our newsletters, like my daily morning shots, but really Bulwark Plus membership is about a lot more than that we're building a community of independent-minded, concerned patriots who value democracy and the truth. We make most of what we do free and accessible by everybody because you can't help save democracy from behind a paywall, but... We do have some great member-only benefits that I'd like to share with you because in addition to our newsletters, members have commenting privileges and also have access to ad-free versions of this show and all of the podcasts in the Bulwark Network, like Sarah Longwell's Focus Group podcast and Mona Charon's show, Beg to Differ. And there's the Thursday Night Bulwark, a live video broadcast that we host for members each week on Zoom. You can give Bulwark Plus membership a try for the next 30 days for free. Simply go to com slash Charlie to claim your free trial today. That's com slash Charlie. Thanks. Okay, we are back with Tim Miller. Tim, you've promised us, rage. I have to say that these cases of, of school shootings, they broke me a long time ago. My disillusionment with the tribe and the team on this issue uh goes back to uh before Sandy Hook, but Sandy Hook really did break me. This one feels so similar, but like hour by hour, I hesitate to even say the sentence it gets even worse than you thought because it was it was so horrifically ghastly to to begin with, but now what we're learning about the timeline i'm slack jawed trying to figure out you know what rational explanation there would be that the shooter was outside shooting for 12 minutes and then was inside the school for an hour while cops were huddled outside and parents were pleading and begging with them to do something about it. So all this whole narrative about, well, what we really need is more good guys with guns. Well, bullshit. What do you think? Go. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Boy, I don't know where to start. Well, I guess I'll start first since you ended it there. There has there ever been a talking point more thoroughly dismantled by by events over the course of ten days than the good guy with a gun right. yeah. talking point? I mean, and again, like you said, we're we're reflecting. I don't. Uh, Any time this comes up, I always just have to bring up because it's so formative for me. I I was at in high school during Columbine in De- Denver. I, Columbine was the public school that was closest to me. Um, you know, f- physically, is within a mile, and and I you know, obviously that horrified me, um, it, it tra- it traumatized me. But at that time, as kind of a young Republican thinking through everything. I, I sort of bought the argument that these assholes are still making now, 23 years later, they're like, well, you know, if the, if the gym coach had had a gun, you know, if there'd been more able to defense, it wasn't a gun free zone, you know, maybe, maybe they, they could have stopped these, these killers. And and I bought that initially. It it made you know my undeveloped brain like it made sense to me. And also, this was the first one, right? It wasn't the first one ever, but you know, it was the first one in my consciousness. And I felt like, okay, this was a one-off, and maybe you know, had there been more of this, this feeling that, oh boy, I better not do that because I'm I'm risking something, right? Like this, you know, the sense of danger, the killers wouldn't come in. Here we are, 23 years later, and people are still saying this. And in Buffalo, just going back to Buffalo, which we talked about last week the co- there was a security guard with a gun right, right. and the security guard with a gun fired on the bad guy with the gun and then it it hit his body armor this guy has body armor which is one of the recommendations I want to get to about things that we can do to fix this but but the, the security guard with the gun hits hits the bad guy with the gun doesn't work then the bad guy with the gun kills the good guy with the gun and then goes into the grocery store kills nine more people now fast forward a week to Valde and just that video Of those parents, I don't. I I put a two-second clip of it in in uh, my party this week, just because any longer is just too much for the heart to take. But there's, I think, a six-minute, maybe longer YouTube video. That if you haven't watched, just only do it when you have the stomach for it. These parents I, yeah. just pleading. screaming and yelping and pleading, get your ass in there and and hollering and and I guess there's some reports that one of the parents ends up getting handcuffed. You see the cop with the taser, like menacing one of the parents with a taser. Every video, you see more cops, like every new angle that comes up on social media, they all have body armor, they all have these huge weapons, and for 60 minutes, and the thing that just broke me, some of these, I just kind of, I read the news story and just, you know, sort of move on. I haven't been able to do that with this one. It's just, this one has broken me, and I, yeah. I've, I've read everything, and, and, I, and I just get madder and madder, and the most recent thing, right before we came on, is the story of this girl who is inside the classroom who wipes her dead friend's blood on herself yeah, she knew and she gets her dead teacher's phone and calls nine one one, and then she asks her mom and she says like i what happened i was i, I was in there for three hours three hours. And, and like yeah she, i mean it was only one but it felt to her like yeah. three hours and meanwhile outside uh, there's like myriad people with all these weapons and what are they doing i don't you know i didn't volunteer to be a police officer so I, it's far be it for me to be, be an armchair quarterback to be like get in there but and we can get into this in a second, if you're demanding that we fund the police and you're demanding that you get all these weapons of war and you're demanding that you get all this body armor and and you guys are, are geared up to the guild like you're going into Fallujah. Go. 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 You know, it's not like Barney Fife was out there with a horse and a handgun. This was like a SWAT team.
0: So one of the things that, you know, that I try to do in cases like this is, number one, realize, you know, how much of the information that comes out initially is going to be inaccurate in the fog of war. And this always, always happens. So I try to be very restrained in reacting to anything. Also, number two, trying to think, is there something about the law enforcement strategy that I do not understand? Is there some deep knowledge here? And the answer is no. All morning long, we've been hearing from law enforcement experts who say that, The universal doctrine now is every second counts. It's not decided by minutes, it's decided by seconds, and you go in and you get the shooter, you you confront the shooter. Look, I understand that the danger is incredible, I think this is, underlines again you know one of the problems with with these guns is that our police officers sometimes feel that they are outgunned, as in buffalo, so so much for Republicans being the anti terror party or the pro police party, the police are afraid to confront the consequences of all this, but okay, the twelve minutes outside the school, and I'm sorry and i I am I think I said this to Peter Wehner yesterday. I have a hard time looking at the pictures. I have a hard time. It is—it's too raw. It—it—it it, it does break me. But what really haunts me is what was going through those children's minds. How frightened must they have been? How terrified must they have been? How you know desperate they were for someone to do something. But twelve minutes of gunfire outside the school is an eternity. Even before, and then small an time. hour. I, this is just—it's mind-boggling. So, for people who think that the answer to all of these problems is well, we just need a more heavily armed police, or we need to have more security guards. If the gym teacher had had a Glock, would that have made a difference? I mean, I, you, dude, your your point about this—you know, arm the teachers. Well, yes, <laughs> your social studies teacher with a handgun. Is going to stand what chance against somebody who may or may not have body armor but is armed with a weapon that will tear your body apart with one shot
1: so I yeah don't. i mean there's so much here so i've been just on on the kid i think the kids just really quick one more thing i know it's a trigger warning for everybody but like the other story that, c- that comes out is this, the police are outside the classroom the guy is barricaded and barricaded quote-unquote he just locked the door to a classroom and the, the cops couldn't break it down for some reason I don't understand they're on facebook bragging about their swat team and how many great weapons they have but they can't break down a classroom door and they're shouting like yell if you're okay i, I again i'm not a police i don't know uh, like you this is not my expertise but i've been watching a lot of tv re- listening to a lot of law enforcement experts and 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 they're all baffled and it's like, and and and, a, and according to one of the kids one of the kids shouts help and then gets killed killed yeah i mean it's just it's mind blowing and and this notion just to step back about the the fact, fix- because because it's obviously bad faith. Let's just state at the start. Like these fucking Republicans that are like, we need door control and we need whatever more people on on site with weapons and all this. Like, like they don't actually want to do any of this. So it's not like they're they're going to fund schools to do any of this. But but let's just take it seriously for a second, because it's the only way to debunk these arguments is to actually is to actually take it seriously. There are one hundred and thirty thousand schools in in America. One hundred thirty thousand. There, there are only seven hundred thousand police in America, right? So, if we put one cop at every school, that's like a seventh of our police. You know, every all the Republicans are like, "We need more cops. We need more cops on the street right now." So, we're going to put one in seven police just out, just standing outside every school. You know, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, We're going to hire one of these. Off duty security guards. And what are we going to arm them with? Uh, you know, you're going to arm them with an AR. Uh, you know, a, 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 a retired policeman is going to take out uh, a, a, somebody coming in with body armor and two assault rifles. I, it's just, it's a ridiculous proposal. A- and the proposal is made even more ridiculous by the fact that. All of these professionally trained people that are funded, half of the Uvalde city budget goes to the cops. It's an $8 million budget. Four million of it is going to the police force. So they've already invested half the city budget into this and they couldn't do anything. And here's the thing that it comes down to, and I want to get into the doors and all there and the army and the teachers. But, But the other important part to understand about this is human error, right? Human error is going to come into play in any situation. You can expect these cops to act better than they did. That you cannot expect that every school is going to be able to lock, remember to lock every door and remember to follow every protocol. Like we cannot turn these things into maximum security prisons. It's not realistic. You know, people are going to make mistakes. The security guard on duty, who, who's probably going to get paid forty grand a year, is going to make mistakes. People are going to accidentally unlock the doors. And so, if twelve or however many cops were there on the scene in Uvalde are making mistakes how is it going to be any different in in any other situation so i you know the arming teachers thing is preposterous it's just preposterous and 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 like the, i'm you know mother-in-law is an elementary school teacher like what are we going to do you know give her a glock yeah you know in case somebody comes into the classroom I, you know she's 60 years old <laughs> like what what are we talk what are we talking about so that's preposterous and then you get to this okay well, well let's lock all the doors and only have one egress point and blah blah and it's like okay okay i'm for any of that right? You know, if we can redirect some of the money from the COVID bill, right, that was supposed to go to schools to do ventilation that didn't all get used. If you want to redirect that to helping schools, okay. But let's not pretend like this is the answer. You know, I I was getting attacked on this by the right, far right on media all day yesterday on, on the last two days. And so I did some research, Charlie, and just to make sure I had my memory correct. Parkland only had one entry Okay. There's only one door. That also what their recommendation that what schools do is only have one entry point. That was Parkland. Parkland had that. And and it didn't help. Sandy Hook. Do you know how the kid, the guy got into the elementary school in Sandy Hook? Hmm. He fucking used his, his huge assault rifle to shoot through a locked door. So he went through a locked door. You know, these it's not the locked doors aren't like magic. Okay. It's not like just because the door's locked doesn't mean they can't get through. They're windows, also, by the way. Um, Columbine. The shooters came in, you know, kind of through the, the field, uh, through the sports fields on the hill, and people were outside eating lunch. The first people that died at Columbine weren't even inside the school. They were sitting outside eating lunch. I, so I don't know. I guess we're going to make kids eat lunch at their desks, right? It's just, it's just not practical. If they are going to be 17-year-olds with weapons of war and body armor, unless you want to turn everything into Alcatraz, like the, this, just, this isn't a solution on its own. It's fine to do it. It's fine to put some money into it and try to make them safer. But it's not to, to, to act like it's a solution is is an insult. So
0: you're not my party this week, which went up mid morning on Friday is another fucking massacre. But also four things we can do um, after Uvalde and, and Buffalo. So what are the four things?
1: Let, let's be constructive. Yeah, sure. Um, I, the two the, there are two things that I think are the most tangible. And I think that they're the most realistic if the Democrats really want to go offense on this and put the Republicans in a defensive position and and try to force them to do something. I want to go back to Las Vegas. The the only constructive gun law that's happened since Columbine was the Las Vegas shooting when the guy was using bump stocks. And the Congress acted and they banned bump stocks. Uh, Why? Because, you know, bump stocks don't engender the passions of the of the nra right like it's not like there are millions of people that are using these right and so so they passed it there was no blowback it happened and it was a direct reaction to this okay so uvalde and buffalo both shooters were 18 and legally purchased their assault rifles after parkland florida changed the law to move uh, uh the purchase of rifles from 18 and any kind of long gun from 18 to 21 Mm-hmm. Rick Scott, who's in the Senate right now, signed that bill. It's the current law in Ron DeSantis' Florida. What Florida also did is passed the red flag laws. This has been pushed by a lot of people on the right. David French has been a big advocate of this. Um, and, and the red flag laws, if you don't know, are like these restraining orders, basically, where if, you, if somebody in your life is a danger to themselves or others, you go to the court and you say, we got to take the guns away from this person for a certain period of time. It's like a gun restraining order. Florida passed that after mm-hmm. Parkland. Since then, I don't—I'm going off the top of my head. It's either 500 or 5,000 times they've used the red flag. Things have been used in Colorado, in my home state. The red flag law was used to stop, you know, a, a plotted mass shooting. So those are two things that Florida did—a red state. There was no NRA pushback. There was no voter pushback. Rick Scott went into a primary right after he signed it. He went into a primary for the Senate. He wasn't—he didn't—he wasn't hurt. So this notion that there's a political potential risk to these guys it's just wrong like like, like voters in florida we're fine with it so why couldn't we have a national law to move the age up to 21 are, are republicans really going to be i maybe they will i don't know are they really going to go out there and say no i think the law is right the way it is that an 18 year old shouldn't be allowed to glass, buy a glass of wine at dinner but should be able to go online and buy two assault rifles and 370 bullets enough to fucking storm the alamo i i okay if they want if they want to do that i think that's a losing argument the other just two things really quick i do think they should pass the background check bill Uh, we don't need to to belabor that point but i think there should be restrictions also on body armor and just like not that people can't get it but to get body armor you have to do a training you know licensing all these sorts of things the eu is doing this Uh, you know why does an 18 year old need tactical gear OK, so this is and this is not a Second Amendment issue, by the way, I, there's nothing in the Second Amendment that says, you know, that, that you need to have a chest plate that can resist rifle bullets. OK, so I, I think that that's probably not going to happen, but a, a thing that, that goes around the sort of Second Amendment concerns that Republicans would have. So I, I think we could talk about more extreme stuff, things that are more aggressive than that but they're not going to pass and so to me these are four things that at least feel like they could that potentially pass i I don't have a lot of hope that they will but they feel like they could
0: well and also you know there's there's strong you know public support i mean i think that the the background check measure has something like 80 plus percent uh, of americans support it look i mean what's most frustrating to me is this sort of doom loop of, uh, of of talking points and earlier this morning i was on c-span taking calls and of course you had you know the usual suspects calling in saying why are we focused on the gun rather than the person the gun is just the tool it's like a hammer the real problem is the person oh, no. i to restrain myself from saying you're bullshit here but um but see here here's why this is a bad faith talking point because when you actually then begin talking about legislation that targets the the person, you know, who is shooting the gun, like, for example, the red flag law or the background uh, uh, checks, uh, we still get some of the pushback from uh, the NRA, at least uh, nationally, right? Because the red flag law doesn't, you know, blame the gun. It says, hey, if this person is mentally ill or they're acting in a way that shows that they are a threat to themselves or others, we should separate them from the weapon. Background checks is all about keeping criminals People who engaged in domestic violence or mentally ill from having guns. So when you have legislation targeting the people behind the guns, we get the same bad faith opposition from the NRA. Can I say one other point that actually a yeah. caller made that it kind of, you know, stuck with me? Sure. So, you know, part of what we're also dealing with, it's not just the hardware issue, it's the way in which the guns have become this fetish. And, uh, you know, with uh, politicians posting pictures of themselves, and you know, with the Christmas parties, you know, wielding these weapons of mass destruction and everything. But also this tendency to start re- describing the Second Amendment or gun ownership as sacred. Remember that uh, that candidate for governor in Georgia who had to sign, you know, Jesus, guns and babies. Well, here, here's a debate to have. W- what is sacred, human life or your AR-15? Do we really think... That, that gun ownership is sacred or more sacred than the lives of these innocents? I mean, it's an absurd argument to make, but it shows how totally bent and twisted our debate has been. It's also a sign of how totally bent and twisted our debate has been, is that you know, these are appalling, just you know civilization-rocking incidents that will result in virtually nothing. And that says something about it, that our inability as a country to deal with all of this. And look, I, I'm a deep believer in American exceptionalism. I'm one of those guys. This is the, the ugly uh, exceptional part of America because we are the only country in the world that has this going on and we are incapable of dealing with it. I mean, it's one thing to have these terrible tragedies. It compounds it when you know that there's going to be no response, that you know this challenge to American greatness will go unanswered.
1: Yeah, they have people with mental health problems in other countries, Charlie. I think they're breaking news to you. Yeah, um, and are hateful so, and bigoted and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's you not know. like that's a unique American thing. It's like the frustrating thing when you see the Ben Shapiros of the world being like, do something. It's just emoting. It's not a suggestion. Nothing that the Democrats propose would actually have helped. That's just bullshit. I mean, for starters, this, and, and you've all be going back to the 18 to 21-year-old thing. I thought Sarah made a good point on the Thursday Night Bullock live stream for Bullock Plus members last night. She said one of the reasons why they originally moved the drinking age from 18 to 21 was that 17-year-olds and 16-year-olds and 15-year-olds know 18-year-olds. And so it wasn't just the 18-year-olds that was the problem. It was, you know, dr- access to, to, you know, binge drinking was, was much easier for other very young people. And it's harder to get a beer from 18-year-old. This is true for the 21 to 18 thing too, right? Like mm-hmm. look, they, that guy, that horrible human, think about this, in Uvalde. Let's say he couldn't have bought those two guns online. Could he have still done this massacre? I, I Maybe, right? And he would have had to borrow a gun or steal a gun. Does he know a 21-year-old who could go? Maybe, right? Like in their life. I don't know. I was an oldest kid. I didn't know. When I was 17, I, I didn't know any 21-year-olds, right? Like Really? I knew my parents and I knew my high school friends. So again, is, would it have stopped it? Can we say for certain? No. But seems likely, or at least would have slowed it down. Who knows? Uh, this guy could have gotten, he seems to have mental health problems. He could have got arrested. Other uh, Something could have happened in the meantime. I, I just, I think that there's good reason to believe that it that would have stopped it. And so that is why it's a maddening and frustrating thing about all of this. When you just, he, just go back to this hopelessness, this response, so there's nothing we can do. It's like, yeah, there are things that we can do. Other Everywhere else has figured this out. And the thing for me is, I just don't understand why that talking point has such salience, right how that is working on people and and that is when I come back to the other part of your of your question, which is the culture. And I never maybe part of the reason why it's so easy for me, I think, to make this switch is that I was never a gun guy. like I bought the arguments, but I didn't really like guns. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was never how I how I demonstrated my masculinity and the, my virility was by having a little handgun like some other guys seem to need. but it's not just the far right. You know, this is the other thing, the gun culture in America is pervasive. And I do think that this is something that everyone needs to be conscious of and think about is how we talk about it, you know, music, culture. I'm not, you know, tipper goring here and saying the government should be getting involved into this sorts of stuff. But I think that everybody needs to be conscious of just between the first person shooter games, you know, it's, there's a lot of gunfire going off in my neighborhood in Oakland, and it's not MAGAs that are doing it. But then you have the magas, you have the gun churches, you have Lauren Boebert with the, with the ISIS cross behind her when she does the zoom with the, with the machine guns, you know, crossing and her, <laughs> in her zoom feed, you know, like, so you go on and on. And the examples of this are myriad. And and, and when are we going to get to a point where it's just like, hey, this is not cool. Okay. Like, right. it's not, it's not cool. It's not okay. It, you know, And if you want to have a gun because you feel like you need to protect yourself or you like hunting, okay, whatever. I don't know. That's one thing. But brandishing it, you know, making it part of your identity, how do you fix that? I don't know. That's a lot harder to fix.
0: Actually, okay, uh, this is an interesting point because, yes, this fetishization of guns is very, very widespread, but it's not universal. Uh, And and you, you know who I think is offended by that as well? The vast majority of gun owners. And I, I think that this is where I, I think that there is a potential wedge, because I think that the, uh, and I live here in Wisconsin, and we have hundreds of thousands of people who go out into the woods and hunt deer. There are not mass massacres every single year here. We have 600,000 heavily armed men who go out into the woods, men and women. And guess what? They do not murder one another. Why? Because they are responsible gun owners who take their responsibility seriously. They take safety seriously. And I actually had an experience. And I think I've probably told this before, but not r- recently. Back in the day, and you know, in the midst of time when I was on talk radio, and I got into a big fight with the NRA. I mean, I broke with the NRA, you know, years before any of this this Trump stuff. I just was done with them. But one of the issues that they came up was was the question of open carry and concealed carry in Wisconsin. And you know, for years, Republicans had said they were in favor of allowing people, you know, with permits and training to be able to carry concealed weapons. I think we were one of the last states in the country to permit this. And sure enough, when Republicans eventually, you know, won elections, they pat they were con- considering Uh, legislation that would allow uh, permits for concealed carry, like virtually every other state in the country. And then the NRA did a bait and switch thing. They decided that they were going to pressure the state to not have any sort of permits or training or background checks at all. They called it constitutional carry that anyone should be able to carry a concealed weapon anywhere. And the legislature was just overwhelmed with mail and calls from the gun lobby and I remember having a, a, I was talking with the police chief uh, here in Milwaukee about this, and he's saying, this is nuts. Do you understand what this would mean if anyone is allowed to carry a gun? What that would mean for law enforcement? And so I thought, you know, this is just bullshit. This is crazy. This is bait and switch. And I'm going to go up against the NRA. And, I said, and so I, I did that. I said, you know, the NRA is full of shit on all of this. You know, if you're serious about guns and self-defense, you should be in favor of as much training as possible. You should be in favor of permits. You should be in favor of background checks for all of this. And what was interesting about this experience was that the moment I took that position, it was as if the NRA cloud of support kind of vanished because most, the vast majority of gun owners, in Wisconsin City, absolutely, yeah, no, we're in favor of gun rights, but we're not in favor of this crazy shit. Same thing when you had some of the gun nuts who were uh, touting, you know, open carry, you know, show up, you know, with, with your know, hunting rifle, your AR-15 strapped to your back, you know, to the farmer's market in Appleton, the vast majority of actual gun owners thought that this was batshit crazy, this was reckless, this was irresponsible, this undermined the case. The problem is that no one's speaking to them right now. And and I think that's unfortunate because to your point where in in Florida, they were able to pass this legislation without committing political suicide. There's a reason for that, that I think, you know, you have this insane extremist fringe, which has been allowed to hijack this debate. I'm sorry, I
1: went on. I think that's right. No, 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 that's exactly right because in Florida, they weren't going after responsible gun owners. That's the thing about these proposals, the ones that I put forth in the Not My Party yeah. this morning, is, is you know, red flag laws and moving the age up to 18 to 21, it's not going, that doesn't go after hunters. That's not going after your responsible good old boys that are going out a couple months a year and then put the, you know, rifle, lock the rifle back up when it's not, when it's not, se- the season's over. So, yeah, conceivably they should be for that. The other group that I'd point to is I've been getting a lot of DMs um, from moms, you know, people that aren't politics. You know, people I went to high school with, people I worked with in a past life. They're like, what can we do about this? Concert Republican moms. And I think that, you know, you had the... The COVID moms, who I think were right, I was saying this last night in the live stream. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like we're the only people in America who can just like say what's true, Charlie. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is there anybody else in America who's like, maybe we shouldn't be shutting down schools for so long and like mandating masks forever, and also maybe we should be keeping guns out of the hands of schools. Like maybe we should be, maybe both, like both we should ha- can carry both of those positions together at the same time. But a lot of these moms, the so-called COVID moms, who are mad that the kids' school was shut down, the kids weren't learning. I think that they should be most of them should be mad about this. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. I I think there should be some polling on this, but it's. I find it very hard to believe that moms think that that their kids' classmates should be able to get assault rifles. I just. I think that that's a bad frame. I think if you're framing it as you know, maybe you think your kid can go hunting with his dad, and that's fine. But like, do you really want? you know, you, you, you go pick up, you, you do school pickup. Do you really want every one of those kids that you see walking through the parking lot, able to just order an AR 15 and 370 rounds online? I don't think so. I, I, I just, I don't think that that's a winner. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm Pollyannish, but I think that that's a loser. Well, okay. I agree with
0: you on all of this. And there, there was a study that I cited the other day that, Researchers have concluded that it takes about 3 days for Americans their anger and their grief to dissipate after a shooting that it lasts for 3 days. This, whether that's right or not, I don't know, but there's a window. I wish right? that was
1: true. I'm in day 3 right now and I'm as fucking mad as I was. I on I, I am Tuesday. So, so, so so I don't so, know. Man, I I hope that that's true.
0: Well, I'm still mad about Sadie Hook. So I mean, I it, Yeah. But but there's a limited amount of time. I know you've been critical of of Chuck Schumer. Again, this is one of those moments where If this is a major crisis, act like it. And for the Senate to go home without doing anything at all, I'm sorry. It's just this is when you force these votes on the kinds of things that you have mentioned you don't force a vote on, you know, some draconian partisan bill. You force a vote on the kinds of things, force a vote on background checks, force a vote on all of this. I understand that they're trying to give space for this bipartisan compromise, but you and I both know that's not going to happen. But also just once in a while, a sense of urgency as opposed to let's just go through the motions every republican felt free to vote against to kill this domestic terrorism bill which was very very modest to pay no political price then they go I'll go home without considering or having a vote or anything else i i don't know
1: yeah flashbacks to the impeachment by the way you know this you have to strike while the iron's hot and that second impeachment i i f- I'd, i still believe i will always believe that there was a chance to get 17 republicans had they just You know, had they just moved quickly before they all had a chance to go home, you know, soon after January 6th. I really do believe that. And, you know, in the the books, you know, all the Jonathan Martin's book and all these books kind of give evidence to that. Uh, You know, the mindset people's mind change once yeah it's part of it's the emotion they get less upset part of it is they go home and they hear you know the gun groups start calling and they're like oh man i don't want to deal with this excuses pile up you know they start to get compelled by ted cruz's great passionate defense of door reform and you know and then all of a sudden it goes away so i I agree with you i don't they shouldn't be on vacation If, if if a senator is in your town this weekend you should go shout them down. I think and and ask them why they're not working. I, I don't. It doesn't make any sense um, that why they're not working. I think he should have. And, um, and well, I don't. I don't. I don't have a lot of hope. I hope that they prove me wrong. Chris Murphy is is obviously man, just yeah. to give somebody credit because I don't think Chuck Schumer is doing jack shit. But Chris Murphy, maybe he's Pollyannish too. But, but he did what I'm talking about. he called Rick Scott. It sounds like Rick Scott sold him the pound of sand, but he he spoke to any of the Republicans that that would speak to him and said, "What can we do? What is anything that we can do? So they so he's trying maybe they can scrounge up ten for this kind of thing where you incentivize states to do red flag laws. and it, it's it's going to be really on the margins. but I, but I, I I agree. I just think going home is just unconscionable
0: well you know speaking of uh senators uh, i I see this report I, I can't bring myself to actually click on the article I will confess out of uh, Madison uh, Senator Ron Johnson says the critical race theory wokeness responsible for school shootings I, I just I, I don't want to read anymore
1: Time traveling. Uh, it was maybe the Columbine shooters were tried time traveling from the future, and then they came back and did it as a kind of a know. preemptive attack on, on wokeness.
0: And of course, our political debate will continue to be stupid. Uh, one, one, one last. Uh, I, I would normally call this a palate cleanser, but it's at the end of the thing, so our palates or whatever they're, they're screwed <laughs> up as, as, as they're going to be. Uh, if if you think things are bad now, imagine what a United States Senate with people like Herschel Walker. Will look like. Did you hear uh, Herschel Walker's interview when he was asked about school shooting? Uh, I'd like to share. I it did, with but you, please, play it uh, please play it again. Please play it again. I've heard uh, it, but
1: I would like to hear it one more time. All right, let's let's play Herschel
0: Walker. Deep thoughts.
1: See, there is a person wielding that weapon. You know, Cain kill Abel. You know, and uh, you know, and that's the problem that we have. And I said, what we need to do is look into how we can stop those things. You know, he talked about doing a disinformation. What about getting a department that can look at young men that's looking at uh, women that's looking at uh, just social media? What about doing that, looking into...
0: What the actual fuck?
1: What? Yeah, the reason why I saw that was someone tweeted that with, this guy makes Tommy Tilberville look like Cicero. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I... I mean, I Let's just,
0: focus on young men looking at young women on social media. So, Cain and what Abel. What's the
1: government going to do about that? Exactly. By the way, what we're going to have, we're going to start spying on on kids' likes on social media and try to, what come up with an algorithm. I'm sure conservatives really would love that. A new department of domestic spying on young men looking at young women on Instagram. I'm sure that would be. That's going to go over really well for conservatives. The whole thing I'm, is- I missed something, Tim. When, when
0: did Republicans vote to dramatically increase spending on mental health? Because I missed this. Thank you. This is the Texas <laughs> thing.
1: I meant to bring this up when you're talking about constitutional carry, but I just have so many things I'm mad about. I, I, I let it slip. So I'm glad we come back around to it. So Texas has, um, obviously, the El Paso white supremacist shooting. Uh, they also had the Santa Fe school shooting. I don't know if you remember this one. It was at a high school. Um, Ten died. At this one, the guy had uh, multiple IEDs, pressure cookers, Molotov cocktails, pipe bombs, propane tanks. I'm sure the door control would have done really well here. Uh, Other homicide explosives. After that, Abbott said that he was going to act and pass some reforms, kind of like Florida did with Parkland. Texas didn't do that. They did the opposite. Not only did Texas cut mental health funding. They all go back to the mental health talking about. It. They cut mental health funding, 50th in the country. They're 50th in the country out of 50 for mental health funding. But they also passed that Wisconsin law that you objected to on the talk radio, constitutional carry. So starting last year in Texas, unless you are a, uh, have a felony, you can go buy a gun, carry it concealed, no license, no test, no background check if it's a private sale. So that's what Texas did after El Paso and Santa Fe, uh, which is is cut mental health funding and make it easier for anybody, any insane person that wants to, to get a concealed carry license. This is, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the whole thing is absurd.
0: That seems like something that we ought to talk about. Don't you think? It does. Yeah? It, it is, does. Yeah. I, don't,
1: I don't know. I think that this is where, going, circling back to the beginning of the conversation with with the game, you know, one of the things that I reflect back on when I was in politics is the smart person in the room in, in, in a politician's campaign is always talking about, eh, we shouldn't worry about the things we can't do, the things that aren't popular. I think we shouldn't worry about that. Like we should have this, we should have a more strategic approach. You know, what what are, what are, what's some red meat we can throw out? Sometimes that's right. You know, sometimes it's the prudent political thing to do. But for a lot of times it's not. And this kind of conventional wisdom just sort of congeals, and I feel like that's happened. You know, in for, um, both in Republican offices that feel like they can't even talk about any common sense reforms, and the staffers who I know agree with us. There's the Republican staffers on the Hill. You think Mitch McConnell's staff doesn't agree with us on like simple things like background checks in twenty one? I maybe maybe <laughs> Tuberville staff, right? <laughs> but like they 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 agree, but they think, oh, well, we can't do it. Can. And then the Democrats say, oh, you know. We're, this is a loser for us. We can't go on offense on this. I just I don't think that's right. I mean I, I think that there are unstrategic ways to go on offense about it if you're a democrat, but I don't think that cutting mental health funding, 18-year-olds having ARs, uh teachers packing heat, uh, these are not popular. And I, they and and the and the Republicans turned to fund the police into a calling card, you know that only that there, there aren't that many more Democrats that called for defunding the police than there are Republicans who have called for for kindergarten teachers packing heat, and I, I my guess is that they have similar approval ratings about down at about seventeen percent. I just don't think much of the country is for that, so I, I think there's a potential opportunity there. I think you're right. I I
0: think that there's a political myth around this that these things are are third rails untouchable. And again, I'm, I'm sorry to go back to the Wisconsin, you know, concealed carry uh, I- issue um, with the NRA. And, they, and I actually wrote a piece for The New York Times about it, which I've excerpted in my Morning Shots newsletter. If you want to read the whole thing, it tells the story. Um, you know, the NRA went all out against, you know, that I was a total sellout and everything. But when Governor Scott Walker and don't scream at me here. When Governor Walker basically said, I'll yeah, I'm not, at you. I, I,
1: you've read the first half of my book, you know, I, I don't have I, any standing I, to scream I, I, at you.
0: Well, well I'm, I'm interested in hearing your anecdote about Walker, but I'll hold that for next month. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> Because it was it was a really good tease, by the way. I
1: know so, they cut it, they they cut it down. They cut it down. It's so good. Anyway, well, that's just oh, a, this, it's a tease that. in the it's All a right. tease in the book uh, and a tease in the podcast. I have a great Walker anecdote.
0: So when Walker, and who very rarely did this sort of thing, he basically said no to the NRA. He said no, I'm not going to go along with uh, with uh, you know no permits, no back, nothing for concealed carry. We're going to go with concealed carry with with, with with permits. When he said that, when he defied the the NRA, when he took basically the same thing that I'd been saying on, on radio, the political consequences were nothing. They did nothing. He, there was no price to be paid for when these guys actually stand up against the NRA bully, it turns out it's all smoke and mirrors and it didn't hurt him in, in, in Wisconsin. It never was an issue uh, when he, when he ran later on, nothing. So to your point, same thing with Rick Scott. So, this is, this a is a
1: 10% issue. This is not like Trump. Right, Like the Trump thing, they have a real political thing, right? You go against him, you're probably going to lose. We're, we're you know, we saw the Liz Cheney poll. She's down by 30. That's, that's a question of courage and principle. Yeah, This is not that. This is not that. There's only, there's like a tiny percentage of freaks that want, you know, 18 year olds to be able to go in and carry a concealed weapon without a permit. I, I, like, you know, to your point about responsible gun owners, that's why he didn't pay a political price because the NRA lobbyists might have been against it. But but the NRA's power isn't their lobbyists. Isn't the NRA's power it. is the members and the voters. And the members uh, don't mind uh, some reasonable restrictions. But it's going to have to come from
0: um, somebody on the other side of the aisle. It's going to have to come yeah. from some conservative Republican who has good Second Amendment credentials. And when they stand up and say, "Okay, folks," let's protect the second amendment, but let's not be crazy about it. Let's do X, Y, and Z. I think that they would uh, not only uh, be able to forge some sort of a compromise, but that they would do so without, without paying a political price for it. And, and we've been discussing this. So in some ways, there is this uh, myth slash illusion of impotence that is, uh, has really uh, you know paralyzed our politics. Um, uh, and we, well, we've, we've called them out on it. Tim, have a great three day weekend. I feel like we need a three day weekend, don't you?
1: We need it. I'm signing off of uh, after I tweet this podcast. So you know our great producers try to turn this baby around quickly because after I tweet it, I'm getting off the internet for. 20. I need a mental health break. I'm going to go touch I the grass, too. parent, read read some books, and okay. just take a 24 hour break from from this stuff. And I hope everybody everybody else can have a chance to do that too this weekend.
0: I think I'm going to take a 48 hour break, but um, I'm going to you know sign off and then I'm going to finish your book. And then we'll talk about it next month.
1: I look forward to that.
0: Thank you so much, Charlie. Thank you all for listening to this weekend's Bullwork Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back on Tuesday and we'll do this all over again.